0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Loop Podcast, exclusively on Cognizant. It's your boy, Gaetano, and today I am interviewing Ashley Faust, the Director of Integrated Product Marketing at Atlassian. Ashley, thank you for doing this interview with us.
1: Yeah, I'm super excited to talk all the things.
0: This is awesome. We're really excited about this. You know, we don't get to talk to too many... um, product marketing pros out there. So this is going to be uh, a new flavor. And, um, you know, I'm really interested in hearing about the integrated part of, of your role. Cause that's kind of like in parentheses there, like it's like product marketing, but integrated. Yeah. So that seems like it's really important. Um, and I'm cool. sure we'll get into that. Um, but anyway, to start it off, um, you know, what's, what's kind of like the scope of your role at Atlassian and what do you I don't know. How would you describe like how you focus and maybe some things you're focused on at the moment?
1: Sure. So it's funny, the, the integrated director of integrated product marketing, that title trips a lot of people up. There's a couple of reasons for that. So I sit in our Agile and DevOps team in our product marketing organization. So Atlassian is a big company at this point. We've got over 10,000 employees. We serve um, a couple of key markets. And so you know we've got our key markets kind of focused within product marketing. So that integrated piece actually covers a couple of different things. First, it covers the whole product portfolio. So we have product marketers who are focused on each product, and then we've got product marketers who are focused at the portfolio level. So that's what I focus on. So I'll be dealing with anywhere from six to seven products at a time, um, depending on kind of how we're thinking about solutions and packaging and bundling and messaging. Um, So that's the first piece, integrated because I work across multiple different products. It's also integrated because I work across multiple different channels and audiences. So again, we have some PMMs who are more specifically focused on competitive intelligence or more specifically focused on messaging for some of our newer products where pricing is not set. Um, they're dealing with how do we price this? How do we package this? How do we think about this from more of a, a bundling perspective, from a go-to-market perspective? Is it focused more on kind of that flywheel model or is it focused on more of a high-touch model or is it both? So thinking through that. I actually go across several of do- those different things. So I do content, I do social media, I help weigh in on messaging, I help with you know video tutorials and demo tutorials, um, and I help shape a lot of that content that goes out about our products. But then I also work closely with, you know, a number of engineers and product managers to kind of talk about conceptually from a thought leadership standpoint, how do we frame this up in the market from a problem perspective and a solution perspective? So it's a little bit interesting. It's a little bit misleading where you're like integrated product marketing, like what is that? And in my case, it's the broad focus across a number of different products, and then also a fairly broad focus across a number of different kind of marketing areas.
0: Well, that was a juicy opener. Wow. Um, you've you've got audience, channel, and portfolio all in one doing product marketing across all those areas. That is uh, very comprehensive. I'm sure you're quite busy in your role given the broad scope of Know, initiatives and responsibilities uh, that you're, you know, responsible for. That that's quite, quite a lot. Yeah, it keeps um, me busy. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's good stuff. Good stuff. Well, because Atlassian is such a monster company, um, you know, how do you get that consistency in terms of messaging across all those channels, all those portfolios, all those, you know, overlapping audiences? And I'm sure they have different kinds of buying triggers and use cases and so forth. Maybe how do you address some of that? Because it seems like uh, it could go off the rails if you don't pay attention to it and don't reel it back in. So how do you guys think about that?
1: So we've actually gone through an evolution over the years, and I would say we're still going through this evolution. When we were much smaller, we were much more focused on point products. And so most of that messaging was focused at the product level. Over the last few years, we've become much more solution-focused. And so because of that, we moved away from being just about Jira software or just about Confluence or just about Bitbucket and said, how do we think about DevOps as an example? Or how do we think about the Agile journey? Or how do we think about work management for business teams? So we actually started to realign from an organizational perspective around those markets. That then helped inform the market-level messaging. So it's not just, what does my product do? It's how do we solve these types of problems for these types of audiences? So that's been a big shift just at the organizational level. And then I'd say just in the last couple of years, we've really started to think, how do we have our message houses go across different themes and different jobs to be done and not necessarily reflecting our organization? So Because I sit in agile and DevOps, I do a lot with uh, developer marketing and there's this concept. um, It's it's basically, it was called Conway's Law, but it's this idea that structures and systems will reflect the organizations that ship them. And so when you hear people talking about, oh, we're going to ship our org chart, right? Like, oh, if you're a product marketer who sits under this product, you only come at it from that lens. Instead, what you want to do is kind of pull this reverse Conway, which is to say, if we want the system to look a certain way, we should mirror that in the org structure. And so I'd say it, it applies in a messaging standpoint as well. If you want your messaging to be comprehensive and cohesive to the market, you need to align your teams to what the messaging should be, not what's easiest to tell people that they should focus on and ship. And so that's, that's been a big shift for us is thinking about how do we align our teams to the messaging and the market needs versus just aligning them in their little silos to a single product or a single audience.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's kind of like an advanced, you know, version of jobs to be done, you know, getting out of the, the single point product, thought process and into the solutioning i guess that also aligns well to enterprise marketing and going up market you know like i i don't think a devops you know community would would just think about like jira features right it's probably more like what is the problem i'm trying to solve what am i trying to accomplish and then you guys getting inside the heads of like a a devops leader i think that's very smart and it's the right way to think about it for sure Yeah, and it also helps
1: so you don't end up with just a bag of features, um, both from a product roadmap standpoint. It's a lot easier to message a product that is cohesive, and it's a lot easier to have a product that's cohesive if you're thinking through an entire use case versus just being like, I don't know, this feature and that feature and this feature and that feature. And then you're like, wait, how did we end up with these random features and we don't know what they do, right? So it works both ways to have product marketing informing that product roadmap to make sure it all hangs together. And then when it comes back to us to say, Hey, here's what we need to tell the market about what we're doing. It's like, Oh yeah, of course we've met the jobs to be done or we've met the persona needs versus just kind of randomly throwing features at the wall.
0: Yeah. I I love that. And in terms of like, you know, deploying messaging and understanding, like, is it resonating the effectiveness of the messaging And maybe like the process of refining, tweaking, I guess, how often do you audit it? You know, what's that process like? Because it does seem like there's a lot that goes into it. You know, you don't just come up with a messaging framework. Hey, these are the new, you know, features that are rolling out. Here's the roadmap, boom, deploy. And then that's it. You know, it's not a one and done. So how do you guys think about the process of like measuring the effectiveness, the resonance, and then maybe the auditing and tweaking and refining? I'm sure that's kind of like an ongoing, never-ending machine. It is. And I think that there's a couple of different times where that happens
1: and there are some different triggers, right? So as an example, if we start to see needs in the market and we start hearing from customers, Hey, we need this thing. Okay. Why do you need that? What's changed from when you first purchased the products? What's changed from when you first started evaluating the products, like something drove that change. And especially if we start to see it from multiple customers and we start to say, okay, the market is changing in some way that is driving this need. So if we're going to meet that need, we obviously have to talk about how we're meeting that need. Is that a fundamental change to what we have been saying? Is it, you know, a small tweak in kind of the wording? Is it a philosophical change? So as an example, when we entered the DevOps market, um, more specifically, right, we already had a variety of tools and capabilities to enable the DevOps capabilities. But we hadn't really come out with a comprehensive message to say, this is how and why we built the way we built and how and why we enable you in this way. So for us, thinking about that messaging, we came out and talked about an open and flexible tool chain. And this was in contrast to all-in-one providers. And so as we looked at the market and we looked at how things were kind of shaking out and we looked at what customers needed, they were saying to us, Developers don't like to switch tools. We want to bring our own tools. We don't want to be forced to use this specific tool just because some other team says they need it. And so that for us helped inform us to say, okay, people want flexible tool chains. They want seamless integrations. Let's incorporate that language back into our message houses. So it wasn't a bunch of product marketers sat together and we're like, we think we should focus on this. So here you go, market, here's what you get. We listened to what they were telling us, and we picked out some of those key quotes to say, we built it with this in mind. Here's how our customers describe it. How do we need to reflect that language back to them? And I think that's that's one of the underlying philosophies for all of our message houses is how are our customers talking about it? So we have to have customer conversations. We have to work with our you know, research team and our community champions to listen to what they're saying and reflect that language back. Versus just sitting kind of in our marketing ivory tower and deciding that we know the best way to say things. Um, there are triggers sometimes in terms of like Gartner MQ or Forrester Wave or some of the big analyst reports where they're starting to redefine a category. Obviously, there are some elements in that that, particularly for enterprise customers who really look at those analyst reports, we need to make sure that the language is in line. With what the market is saying so that we're not out in left field and getting pigeonholed or miscategorized so those are a couple of ways both from a kind of bottoms up grassroots in terms of listening to the customers and saying we saw all of these trends and all of these issues and so we built in a certain way but how do we make sure that that resonates with the customers and then there's also we're seeing what's happening in the market the market is moving a certain way how do we reflect the way the market is talking about this and what is our unique value add to how the market is talking about this?
0: Ah, that's brilliant. You You know what I like about it is that it's not too rigid. Like there is some degree of flexibility in terms of, you know, we may need to react to certain things that we're seeing in the market. You know, those market events, those catalyst events, like big ones like COVID, like they only come around so often, but there may be subtle ones as well. It kind of sucks that you're at the mercy of analysts and what they say. Uh, that's just part of the game. But it's good that you guys kind of have an approach of voice of customer, voice of analyst, what we think and our interpretation. And you kind of like blend that all in together. And it's not super rigid to where it's like, no, nah, we're not going to you know, budge our stance on any of it. It is kind of, you know, um, flexible in terms of what else is happening out there. So I think that's really important. And it's great that you called that out.
1: I will say one thing with the, the analysts, it's so funny because they, it's, it is a give and take, right? The, the analysts are forming a lot of their opinion because they're talking to so many different people in the market. And so obviously when they come talk to us and they say, what is your stance on this? Why did you build it this way? Where do you think you're stronger than a certain competitor? Why do you think you belong in this market? That also gives us a chance to share that messaging and share those value propositions so it is a give and take i don't know i i don't feel like it's super like oh we're at the mercy of them you know i feel like it's much more give and take and i think that it can be a really great way to kind of stake your claim in a market when those reports come out because they are a moment in time all of your big competitors are participating in them. A lot of your big customers are reading those reports. And so it's a really great time to actually kind of plant your flag and be like, this is what we're saying, this is why we're saying it this way, this is how and why we built in a certain way.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. It's a, it's a good mentality to have on the analyst too, more of a positive approach than a negative one. Um, you know, Ashley, let me ask you about the measurement of product marketing or at least connecting the dots to business results or outcomes. This is this is a very tough topic, you know, um you know I I as a demand gen guy, you know, we are often asked to, you know, quote-unquote quantify or prove the ROI with our programs. For some of that stuff it's a lot easier, for some of that stuff it's a lot harder. For things like product marketing, you know, there there isn't a hard KPI attached to it, at least not not always. So I was just curious, how do you guys think about that? You know, you have a lot of different rollouts, messaging, Uh, You know, a lot of project based initiatives that may not have like quantifiable KPI directly attached to it, like paid search would. So how how do you guys think about, um, you know, basically connecting the dots from the initiatives you're working on down to the, you know, the, I guess you can call it the downstream business effects.
1: I think this depends a little bit on the different PMMs. So we do have folks who, for example, help look at the onboarding journey um, and that conversion between, did we get somebody to sign up? And obviously we work with a number of other teams, demand-gen type folks, SEO folks, email folks, social media, um, to drive you know traffic, to um, qualify those leads, if it's somebody who's on the, the sales side of things. So we do work with a number of teams for that, but looking at, okay, somebody signed up for a free version of the product, did they come back? Did they actually go through the onboarding flow? Like, Are they actually activating in product? Um, That's something that we work very closely with our product counterparts on, to say, here's the onboarding flow, here's where it's confusing, here's where maybe they need additional content or a demo, or here's where we may need to adapt how many steps are in the onboarding flow, right? Um, So that's an area that we can influence and we can help show, you know, that activation in product. Obviously that is in tandem with our product managers and our engineering managers and our our counterparts on that team for them to implement it. But that's Mm -hmm. an area where we can help optimize the journey. The other thing that we can help optimize is the upsell cross sell and um, Mm -hmm. basically like upgrades to premium or, or, if you go from free to standard or standard mm-hmm. to pay, uh, standard to premium, um, nice. that whole journey. So that's another piece that we can, you know, from a, again, depending on which levers we're pulling, we can look at that. And then we do also measure, um, there's like a customer satisfaction metric. And so looking mm-hmm. at things like, you know, did we retain those customers again, not just in product, but, making sure that we've got those touch points throughout the journey and is that Mm -hmm. resonating? Um, And we do also get the chance to speak directly to customers. I know some teams are like, no, no, that's only for sales or only for customer Mm -hmm. success. And it's like, Mm -hmm. how is product marketing going to effectively message and speak to and onboard and retain and, you know, upgrade or monetize these people? if we never talk to them. So yeah. we are really fortunate at Atlassian to have a big community. And so um, a number of our product marketers go to our community events and mm. get a chance to talk directly with customers and hear what's working here. What's not. Um, we also have that opportunity to do some message testing with them where we're like, Hey, we've got this new thing coming out. Mm. What do you guys think about this? And they mm-hmm. can, they can come back and say, Oh, this makes sense. Or, Oh, we're confused or when I get into the product, I see it, but Mm -hmm. in the onboarding flow, it was confusing. Right. And so we can take that feedback on board. So there's a few different ways to connect it from a business perspective. Um, But we do partner very closely with a number of other teams to make sure that we've got those metrics all the way from what would traditionally be considered top of funnel in terms of, you know, getting traffic in or ranking well or referrals or something like that all the way down to, Are we retaining them? Are we selling them more? Are they buying more seats? Are they actually coming back to the product? And we can see spikes, right? Like, oh, we put out a demo and then we start to see people actually use that feature where, oh, we sent an email and we actually see people sign up, right? So there are some of those those smaller spikes, but in terms Mm -hmm. of the ongoing fuel to keep that fire going, those are a couple of ways we do that.
0: Uh, I really like it. You know, it's it was a much better answer than I thought it was going to be. Like, you, 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 it's not as binary, you know? It's like a lot of shared metrics with other teams and functions. That's cool. It's a lot of collaboration with other units within marketing, such as maybe like website testing or the testing of the, uh, you know, the upgrade flow, things like that. I think that's pretty cool. And you guys have a really nice system. I'm curious, how many product marketers at Atlassian, give or take?
1: That is actually a good question. I am not a hundred percent sure how many we have these days. I mean, I would, I would say it's okay. gotta be
0: at least a couple more, dozen.
1: Yeah. More than a couple dozen. Like I, I mean, okay. again, I think it's interesting. I I would, I am not actually sure.
0: You got a couple people reporting to you. What's your, what's your team like?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I have a few direct reports. So like my team, the agile and DevOps organization, PMM, like we, we work again, I, we work across I would have to look at our official portfolio. I want to say it's like six products.
0: Um, okay.
1: And I want to say we've probably got like 40 or so in our organization across those teams. Uh, okay. We are one of the bigger teams in the org. So, mm-hmm. but like we've mm-hmm. got teams who help with ecosystem marketplace, for example, and they've got a mix of right. product marketers and, um, and other folks, you know, partner managers and those kinds of things. So, I mean, I want to say it's probably over, over hundred in the whole world? Um, okay nice so it's pretty sizable
0: yeah nice nice all right that's that's definitely sizable you guys have uh, made it so to speak you guys are you guys are there um, I guess to wrap up you know uh, some advice to other product marketers out there is, is kind of what we're looking for in this last kind of quick fire so basically it's you know what is something you would uh, recommend to product marketers to stop doing? What is one thing you would recommend to continue doing and what is finally the the thing that they should start doing?
1: Love it. So start, start stop start, continue. stop
0: continue. Yeah.
1: But backwards, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I think I think my start and stop actually kind of go together. I would say right, stop cool. stop focusing so much on individual feature releases or feature mm. launches. Start yeah. thinking more holistically about the end-to-end user journey. Mm. I see this a lot where people get like very excited, especially if they're on a product, a single product where every single feature, they're like, it's the biggest thing we've ever done. Mm. And it's
0: like, yeah.
1: is it though? And then mm. obviously if you've got multiple products, every single individual PMM is like, it's the biggest thing. And it's like, how do you tell that holistic story mm. across mm. potentially multiple products or, or a job to be done? So start and stop mm. go together. The continue, I have to say most of the PMMs, especially the folks that I work with at Atlassian, they are obsessed with the customer journey. And they genuinely do care, how do we make this better for customers? And yes, that helps their business goals. Like if it's Mm -hmm. not good for the audience or it's not good for the user, it's not going to be good Mm -hmm. for the bottom line. But Mm -hmm. they take a very customer-centric approach and mindset, and they are obsessed with the customer. So that's something I've been fortunate to work with a lot of PMMs who are very customer obsessed. So I would say, if you are already that person, keep being that person.
0: Yeah, that, that that's some great takeaways there. You know, I, I used to use JIRA for marketing, actually. Um, and I really liked it. You know, I used the JIRA and Confluence. Um, so this was in 2017. Yeah, uh, I was I was um, leading SEO at Pipedrive. And, and the way that the SEO team worked with, uh, we, I guess we called it the web team, uh, uh, kind of worked in a, in a kind of weekly sprint fashion, agile. Yep. And we used Jira and Confluence to basically manage all projects, workflows, week, weekly sprints. I got to say it, it was the most organized SEO I've ever done. Yeah. It was extremely organized. Everything was like, estimated perfectly, you know, uh, user stories, everything in there. I'm like tickets. I'm like, wow. Like this may seem a little bit too overbearing for a startup, but once you get to a place that's more mature and you need that organization, especially, you know, between different teams, I got to say Jira and Confluence was a a killer combo. And uh, I, I really enjoyed using it back then. I haven't used it since, but I'm sure it's gotten much better since 2017.
1: Well, I mean, I'm just curious how you estimated everything perfectly, right? Like estimation is a huge pitfall. So maybe, maybe we need to do a reverse podcast where I asked you <laughs> how you managed to estimate everything perfectly. You had all of your story points.
0: Perfect. Yeah. I mean, in terms of estimating SEO, um, difficulty over, over time and how long it's going to take to complete a task. Over time, you just get really experienced and you know, you kind of just have a really gut, good gut feel for it. Um, I think when estimation goes wrong, when um, you try and kind of appease what kind of people are pushing you to do. So it's like, yeah, we got to get this done in like a month. Yeah, I guess I could estimate that it'll be a month, but, you know, it may not be right. But I I think, you know, if you have if you have a good SEO leader and web, you know, project leader, you probably uh, will have good chemistry between each other and be able to estimate well. So I guess it's just an experience thing, but yeah, that's my take.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, Hey, I mean, we can, we can end with that excellent product endorsement and I won't even have to, you know, do (laughs) the product marketing thing where I'm like, let me tell you about these other features and other use cases. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, look, this was an awesome convo. I learned a lot. Um, I think it's cool that you guys approach this from a solutioning standpoint, You, you know, get out of the feature rat race, I think that's really valuable. Um, Probably like most product marketers that are stuck in that rat race could benefit a lot from like going through that exercise that you guys do where like you listen to analysts, listen to the voice of the customer, listen to what the market is saying, and then just kind of, you know, come up with a plan based on that rather than here's our, you know, six month product marketing plan, go and don't stray away from that. So I think that's really valuable, and um, yeah, I just really enjoyed talking to you. You're obviously, uh, you know, a master of your craft, and you know a lot about this stuff. So it was great to dive deep into it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: All right, awesome.